just a perhaps predictable reaction against the forces of globalization that swept through us during the 80s and 90s but left and the aughts perhaps but left people behind and so you had a conglomeration of people who felt that they hadn't benefited from globalization you saw this spread of inequality in Europe and in the United States and this is a kickback against that with charismatic leaders who say look I'm out for you I'm out for the little guy whether you are from the left or from the right doesn't matter it's the little guy against the big guys, the little guy against the establishment. That is a common thread. And there are three things that unite this movement, you know, uh, across countries. Um, it is a hostility to trade, a feeling that globalization has gone too far. It's a hostility to migration and a feeling that there's too much uh, mixing, particularly of the regular kind and a fear also of the hegemonic left and, and what that's become. It almost came after NAFTA here in the United States, the reaction, the, the, the anti-globalist beginnings of that. And the irony is that you hear from agricultural people, farmers as well as big agriculture and big, big business, that they need migration, they need labor. Uh, we're, we're developing a labor shortage here, actually, in the United States. But the border, the border issue is certainly an immigration issue, has the most compelling force behind it. What's so, it doesn't make economic what's sense. What's so fascinating to me is how it gets tied up with the pro-Russia thing. Because I understand the migration thing, I understand the nationalism, I understand, you know, the, the people have got left behind, but I don't really get the bit about where this gets tied in with, well, that makes us supporters of... I mean, Putin has stormed into this by presenting himself as a defender of traditional civilization, right? Mm -hmm. Christianity, Orthodox in his case, but anti-LGBTQ rights, anti-transgenderism, anti-decadence yeah. of the West. And he's made common cause with a part of the American political system that otherwise in the past was very anti-Russia when Russia was perceived to be left as a communist nation. Now Putin is doing it from the other side on the ultra-right. And he is making common cause in Europe with uh, the various right-wing uh, mm -hmm. parties there through this cultural war. In effect, he's doing the same thing we hear in our own domestic politics. Yeah, for a bit of it just seems as though only Donald Trump could have energized this pro-Putin part of the Republican establishment. It's so counterintuitive. I mean, Putin is demonized for very good reasons. And maybe the Navalny murder, clearly. The cyber threat posed by the Chinese government is massive. China's hacking program is larger than that of every other major nation combined. And that size advantage is only magnified because the PRC uses AI built in large part on stolen innovation and stolen data to improve its hacking operations, including to steal yet more AI tech and data. I know people have heard what, you know, Trump said and, you know, they've criticized it and they said, well, Trump is going to abandon Europe. I don't think that's true at all. I think Trump is actually issuing a wake up call to say that Europe has to take a bigger role in its own security. Germany just this year will spend more than 2% of GDP. Okay. Uh, that of course is something that we had to really push for in the United States. And it just now has finally cleared that threshold, but it's not just about money spent. How many mechanized brigades? could Germany field tomorrow? Maybe one. Maybe one. Okay? The problem with Europe is that it doesn't provide enough of a deterrence on its own because it hasn't taken enough of a it hasn't taken the initiative in its own security. I think that the American security blanket has allowed European security to atrophy. And again, the point is not we want to abandon Europe. The point is we need to focus as a country on East Asia and we need our European allies to step up in Europe.
This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. Here's I got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Monday, 19 February in the year of our Lord, 2024. It's CPAC week. President Trump will return to the Capitol next uh, next Saturday to give this uh, return to the Capitol, to give a uh, really, I think, a fire breathing speech that will kick off the uh, the drive to the White House. Also that night, he'll be back in South Carolina for the blowout of uh, of neocon Nikki, who won't stop after that. It's President's Day. In the year 2024, um, you know, I, on a Monday morning, I do some radio hits to make sure we kick off the week. Of course, I do the John Fredericks uh, Network, do his show traditionally every Monday. Uh, also been doing um, Sid's show in WABC in New York, the morning show. There, he, Sid's actually doing five hours today. I think he's singing for Kill Meat also. Uh, he asked the question today about... Um, about the times we're in, I said this is one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous time in American history, including leading up and at the beginning of the Civil War and leading up in the beginning of World War II. And here's why. We have three converging crises upon us. Many more off of that, but I mean crises. We have 10 million illegal alien invaders, 10 million illegal alien invaders in the country. And you can see every day what's happening to the country because of that. And they keep coming. And Biden, in a well thought through and highly organized effort, continues to uh, continues to let them in and get them deep inside the country. This afternoon at 4, at, uh, four o'clock, uh, Laura Loomer is down in uh, the Darien Gap and in, in down in Panama. And she's got some amazing footage I think from Somalia, of uh, of people coming from Somalia and talking about Omar, and she's invited them, and Biden's invited them, invited them in, and they're going to the United States, and they're going up to Minnesota. So it's it's not just stopped; it's it's getting worse. And of course, Lindsey Graham he didn't go to uh, he didn't go to um, to uh, the Munich Security Conference, and that you saw a couple of cuts from that. And Andrea Mitchell and in uh, the long faces there at Morning Joe this morning, sitting in for Morning Mika, the long faces there. Oh, what's caused this? Well, it's anti-trade, not anti-trade. It's not anti-trade at all. It's anti-shipping one's jobs away from one's country for no reason, or just for the reason of getting slightly smaller um, wage give us. But also, it's the environment. They all talk about the environment, but they want to ship it to, to third world countries where you don't have to worry about that. They don't. This is the hypocrisy of it all. It's not trade. It's, and it's not migration. These are invasions. It's an invasion of Europe and invasion of the United States of America. Full stop. Invasion. And the, and the Europeans, and finally, I think it's Root, the, the, I think he's Dutch. 
It said that the leaders over there got stopped whining about, oh, Trump, oh, Trump, oh, Trump, because all weekend we covered it. We followed it pretty, pretty closely. It's all, oh, Trump, oh, Trump, oh, MAGA, oh, these right wing reactionaries, pro-Putin. We're not pro-Putin at all. We're pro the Russian people. We're pro the Chinese people. They were our allies in World War II. Let's not let's remember history here. It was Lao Beijing and the Russian serfs coupled with the American uh, fighting man and the English, throw the English in there too. And we'll put the Indians in because they stood at, uh, at uh, Irrawaddy and others, the Indian army. But that's what broke the back of the, uh, of the fascists of the Imperial Japan, the Italians, the Italian fascists, and the Nazis. And now you have all the people who are the elites of Europe, and the elites of Europe did not stand up to this, and now they want us to underwrite it for the fourth time. It's not happening. And they got to come to the reality. they got to start picking up. They may, maybe have to go to their own people and make the case why maybe you don't have free health care. Maybe you don't have – you can't retire at 50 with a full pension. Maybe you're not going to get six or eight weeks off in the summer because we're so afraid of the Russians. We have to defend – if you're so afraid of the Russians, step up and defend yourself. You're not an American protectorate anymore. Game over. And as J.D. said, the, the Germans and others getting to 2% of their GDP, it's all because of Trump 100%. Biden – and the Atlanticist crowd and MSNBC and Stavridis and all these great thinkers that have been dead wrong, dead wrong, dead wrong in the Ukraine from the beginning. And now I was reading a piece over the weekend. People are saying it could be up to, up to a million dead and maybe more. You don't know. But all weekend it's blamed on you. It's blamed on this show. It's blamed on you. It's your fault. It's your fault we're not sho- shoveling $60 billion, although the Associated Press gave her thing that they only have a plan A. There's no plan B. In fact, we can grab that on Getter and get it up maybe later in the next block. Kamala Harris, all of them over there, but plan, plan A is you underwriting another $60 billion. It's not happening. It's not happening. They don't have a plan B. And number what, there, nobody over there, including any senator, is this $60 billion it? You're going to come back next year? Of course you're going to come back next year. And there's no chance for victory. They're retreating right now. Why are they retreating right now? It's not. They're trying to blame. The whole blame is on you. Oh, the MAGA Republicans. The MAGA Republicans. The MAGA Republicans didn't send arms. No. They do not have the young men to fight. Full stop. The mothers and fathers there have not sent their sons and daughters to die in the charnel house of the Eastern Front over the Russian-speaking front of the Donbass and down in Crimea, they have not done it, and they're not going to do it. No force on earth can allow their kids to be press-ganged, to be press-ganged into going to their certain death. That's the Ukrainian people voting. This is the whole thing about the military coup. This is why I fired all the beloved generals. The beloved generals said, yo, we got to have bodies, and those bodies, the average age of our military is 42. It's not going to work. Do you ever hear that in the Senate? Do you ever hear that of any discussion? Is this not another Iraq and Afghanistan where they think you're idiots and you're going to go up? They're, they're going to go up on TV for stupid people, Murdoch News, like they had Nikki Haley. They had Nikki Haley with a with a town hall last night. You disgust me. She rates a town hall. She's not going away. She's not going away. 
She's not going away. She's going to get blown out in South Carolina. She's going to get blown out in, on Super Tuesday. The numbers on Super Tuesday are even worse in South Carolina. She's not going away because she's the last grip the anti-Trump forces have. And that's why she's not going to go away. She's saying they're, oh, but they're fighting for liberty and they're fighting for freedom. No. No. This is a con of Zelensky, the oligarchs over there, the party of Davos, Brussels, and the arms manufacturers. They even said in the, they even said in the, uh, in the Associated Press piece, there's only a plan A. About 10 paragraphs down, of course, the buried lead. Where, you know, all weekend, because J.D. goes over there. J, we had J.D. on Saturday. He goes in for Sunday. It's like going to the lion's den. He was saying what you hear in War Room every day, and they were meltdown. Oh, my God, how can this guy say this? And then one unnamed arms representative that's over there, because it's an arms bazaar, he said, quote, stability is profitable. If you stabilize the situation, send more, everybody makes money. The European, he just said, everybody, the European arm manufacturers will make money. We'll make money. Everybody make money. You know who understands that? The parents of the, particularly the young men of Ukraine. That's where they got them the hell out of the country. How much of the six, was it six to 10 million Ukrainians have left? What percentage of those are young men of fighting age? What percentage of those are the same age groups that are coming here and invading the United States of America, the fighting age males? Uh, a lot. Because they got themselves out or their parents got them out. Because they don't believe there's going to be a military victory. And they keep talking about, oh, we're going to take these territories back. We're going to take Crimea back. It's been a dangerous game. You know who's paid for it? The Ukrainian people. They got a country that looks like Dresden in 45. They've got, I don't know, we don't even have statistics. They're saying it could be up to a million. could be up to 500,000 dead just in the Ukrainian side alone or more. could be a couple of hundred thousand civilians, most of them women and children. The blood ain't on your hands. The all weekend, it's the MAGA right, it's the MAGA house, it's uh, Trump's people. It's nothing but MAGA, these recalcitrant MAGA, these head in the sand. No, no. You are the... um, you were the anti-anarchy, anti-chaos, because that's what the Biden regime. Remember, elections have consequences. Stolen elections have catastrophic consequences, and you're seeing it everywhere in the world. Whether it's the invasion of this country, the the two trillion dollars per year in perpetuity deficits that are going to bury this country and every child and grandchild that you got, and of course the kinetic part of the Third World War. We're going to talk about globalization, and we're going to talk about MAGA next in the War Room. As we head toward a presidential election in November, one thing you can be sure of, 2024 will be a tumultuous year like no other. How will your hard-earned savings fare during this year? You're already seeing the impacts of inflation at the pump, the grocery store. The dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than your wages can increase. How are you protecting your savings? Consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. Now you can own it in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert 
an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, you can trust Birch Gold. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit. That's Bannon to 989898. And secure your savings now. Take action. Text Bannon at 989898. Action, action, action. Into this by presenting himself as a defender of traditional civilization, right? Mm-hmm. Christianity, Orthodox in his case, but anti-LGBTQ rights, anti-transgenderism, anti-decadence yep. of the West. And he's made common cause with a part of the American political system that otherwise in the past was very anti-Russia when Russia was perceived to be left as a communist nation. Now Putin is doing it from the other side on the ultra-right. And he is making common cause in Europe with uh, the various right-wing uh, mm-hmm. parties there through this cultural war in effect. He's doing the same thing we hear in our own domestic politics. Yeah, for a bit of it just seems as though only Donald Trump could have energized this pro-Putin part of the Republican establishment. It's so counterintuitive. I mean, Putin is demonized for very good reasons. And maybe the Navalny murder, clearly. The establishment miss again. Okay, I want to, this is Peter Baker. The, the voice you're hearing is Peter Baker, the lead White House correspondent for the paper of record in this nation, the New York Times. He says the quiet part aloud. Remember, I've been asking this question. Hey, why is it Jamie Raskin's dad? Jamie Raskin's dad is a communist, a Marxist, uh, self-admitted, didn't hide it. Um, Pro-Soviet Union. In fact, they, I think they investigated him for being too pro-Soviet Union during the worst days of it. I was there as a Grundoon uh, after sea duty in, in the Pentagon uh, with the chief of naval operations and, and could see this, that uh, this was the beginning of President Reagan's take down the evil empire. And I saw in Europe, in the United States, the huge fight. So they try to gloss over. They all love President Reagan now. Yeah, they didn't love him. They hated him. OK, they hated him flat out and particularly in his takedown of the evil empire. They hated him. So always remember that there, you know, his daughters on yesterday talk about, hey, politics, you know, Tip O'Neill came to the bed, says, stop the crap. First of all, the daughter hated him, too. I mean, the daughter was the worst. All the stuff she wrote about the mother, just pathetic. And to see NBC sucking up to her now. Why? So she can come out and dump on Donald Trump. Of course, naturally. Right. Well, they hated Reagan. And note to self, lady, they hated your dad. OK. Um, and I say that someone's made a couple of very. I, I would say this, deep films about President Reagan. We took Peter Schweitzer's book in the, uh, the uh, we took Peter Schweitzer's book, Reagan's War, and turned it into a film to talk about specifically for over two hours how President Reagan united the forces of the world to take down the Soviet unions and to crush the Bolsheviks. And it's always struck me as interesting, why are all the people that hated Reagan and fought it Hell, you had a million people in, in, in uh, Central Park. You had millions all over Europe with the Pershing missiles who try to put the defense shield that they have today, the defense shield that they, oh, Americans can't pull out the nuclear weapons. They can't pull out the tactical nukes. Everything they're begging us and rubbing up on us today, we had to fight to put in there, to take down the Soviets, to make sure the Soviets knew that if you come across the Fulda Gap, if you come across the, nor- the North German plain, you're going to be met by some incoming. So don't come. That Soviet army, that Red Army from World War II and from those days, from the 80s, doesn't exist anymore. You've seen that in in Ukraine. 
uh, they couldn't take Kiev when they first tried to at the beginning, right? Not there. Not happening. And all this hand-wringing and hand-wringing and hand-wringing, it's got to be something else. I want to hear, so I keep asking, how's Jamie Raskin's dad go from loving the Bolsheviks and rubbing up on the Bolsheviks and wants the Bolsheviks to win, right? How did they then flip and all of a sudden Russia's the great demon? The same, and remember, it's the exact same people, the exact same people, the exact same crowd that fought Reagan and loved the Soviets and, hey, you know, the missile thing, we have rapprochement, we have to have detente. We have to do all that, and, and, and Reagan sits there with his first national security advisor. It was Richard V. Allen, and uh, when they got Richard V. Allen, uh, they said, look, you're going to get the interview to be the national security advisor, and Richard V. Allen was not a big name. They were coming off Kissinger and Brzezinski, so you got Kissinger and Brzezinski, two guys with the foreign accents, the PhDs, the whole Harvard thing. You know, they got two brains, and they know everything about everything that's happened in the world, right? They're a big chessboard. They're, they're, these Eastern Europeans are, in Kissinger's case, case, a German, and, and uh, Brzezinski was Polish, that the whole American people had this whole thing like Dr. Strangelove is, the, is the, always the national security advisor. And you got Richard V. Allen, who's a little bit of a country, I thought, a country bumpkin, um, a tough guy, but not a big name. And so they tell him, he said, look, the last thing Reagan wants, he doesn't want a Brzezinski, he doesn't want a Kissinger, he thinks these guys are, you know, they're, they're, they're too European the way they think, he's got a different attitude on this. And he says, the one thing you should do, make sure if you go in this interview, don't, don't use the word geopolitics. Just, just the, the, and don't be geostrategic, just be basic. This guy's a basic guy. He doesn't want a lot of highfalutin talk, he's a man of action. And uh, Allen's, Richard V. Allen's in there, and he catches and he's going, he's very nervous. So he just starts talking. And he notices that Reagan's kind of getting a glazed look. Uh, and he's thinking, hey, I'm boring this guy. And uh, he goes, oh, my God, I'm about to lose this job. I got this interview. All I got to do is get through it. And I got the job, the biggest job I'll ever have. And I'm about, about to screw it up. And he hears the words. I think he hears the words geopolitical come across his lip. And he knows he's in trouble. And, he, and he full stop, stop, stop. He goes, Mr. President-elect, you know, I've been here. I'm quite nervous, and I've just been talking. I really, I'm most interested in what your strategy is against the Soviet Union, because that's the biggest thing we had at the time. And uh, Reagan goes, uh, Dick, how about this? We win, and they lose. <laughs> that's, and Ronald Reagan took him down. Ronald Reagan took him down. Ronald Reagan took them down. Now, why is it everybody that fought Reagan that entire time? Remember, remember he was going to do Star Wars and, and, and Sagan and those guys mocked and ridiculed him. They thought Reagan did that to bury them financially, understanding that their military industrial complex was so far in back of ours. In fact, when he first got there, talk about budgets. This is Kissinger in that crowd. For years and years and years, it was the Thucydides trap, the same scam they pulled on China with us here, that we're the declining power, they're the rising power. Athens and Sparta, the Peloponnesian War, we're the declining power, they're the rising power. And so when Reagan first got there, he got a Team B, and they had done some more assessments, but they had uh, Bill Casey, who was a piece of work, over at, uh, you know, he was kind of a, a, what I call a deal lawyer. He was running the CIA, and they got him to do a uh, analysis of the Russian economy. And it came back 
that the Russian, oops, we, we've made a mistake historically. We were extrapolating off bad numbers. Uh, you see this all the time. We're extrapolating off of bad, bad decisions, bad analysis 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and we extrapolated off that. And the Soviet economy is not actually bigger than ours, and it's not growing faster than ours. It's actually, you know, a third, it's only a third of ours or some, some number that was, it was a humongous miss. And Reagan's sitting there, they would always mock Reagan and not being that smart. And Reagan goes, hang on for a second, let me, let me see that again. He looks at it and he goes, he says, well, gosh, th- this economy's not even as big as California. And I was just the governor there. So how big a threat are these guys going to be? It was like, Oop. that's when Reagan said, okay, let's drop the hammer on these bros. Let's do it. And it was done. It was done. We win, they lose. That's the attitude. Quite simple. Very American. And it worked. And people rallied to it. Well, the forces that fought him, Jimmy Raskin's dad and all these guys, all the Bolshevik lovers. How did that flip? Let's play Peter Baker again. You're going to get Peter Baker of the New York Times, not Breitbart. Not Citizens Free Press, not the Boys Over Gateway Pundit, not Darren Beatty, not the War Room. Peter Baker, lead correspondent for the New York Times, says the quiet part out loud. Let's hear it. Just a perhaps predictable reaction against the forces of globalization that swept through us during the 80s and 90s, but left, and the aughts perhaps, but left people behind. And so you had a conglomeration of people who felt that they hadn't benefited from globalization. You saw this spread of inequality in Europe and in the United States. And this is a kickback against that with charismatic leaders who say, look, I'm out for you, I'm out for the little guy. Whether you are from the left or from the right doesn't matter. It's the little guy against the big guys, the little guy against the establishment. That is a common thread. And there are three things that unite this movement, you know, uh, across countries. Um, it is a hostility to trade, a feeling that globalization has gone too far. It's a hostility to migration and a feeling that there's too much uh, mixing, particularly of the regular kind, and a fear also of the hegemonic left and, and what that's become. It almost came after NAFTA here in the United States, the reaction, the, the, the anti-globalist beginnings of that. And the irony is that you hear from agricultural people, farmers as well as big agriculture and big, big business, that they need migration, they need labor. Uh, we're, we're developing a labor shortage here, actually, in the United States. But the border, the border issue is certainly the immigration issue has the most compelling force behind it. So, it doesn't make economic what's sense. What's so fascinating to me is how is it gets tied up with the pro-Russia thing. Because I understand the migration thing, I understand the nationalism, I understand, you know, the, the people have got left behind, but I don't really get the bit about where this gets tied in with, well, that makes us supporters of... I mean, Putin of has stormed into this by presenting himself as a defender of traditional civilization, right? Mm-hmm. Christianity, Orthodox in his case, but anti-LGBTQ rights, anti-transgenderism, anti-decadence of the West. And he's made common cause with a part of the American political system that otherwise in the past was very anti-Russia when Russia was perceived to be left as a communist nation. Now Putin is doing it from the other side on the ultra-right. And he is making common cause in Europe with uh, the various uh, right-wing parties there through this cultural war. In effect, he's doing the same thing we hear in our own domestic politics. It just seems as though only Donald Trump could have energized this pro-Putin part of the Republican establishment. It's so counterintuitive. It's not I mean it's, Putin. it's not counterintuitive, lady. You're just dumb. 
I always we try to watch her. We closely monitor full time, but we got to watch Andrea Mitchell. She's sitting there, and and she's the mouthpiece of the conventional wisdom. You want to see how bankrupt the conventional wisdom is? Just watch Andrea Mitchell every day. You'll get it. You'll get it in spades. These people are moronic. But Peter Baker said the quiet part out loud there. Wow, New York Times. Talking truth to power. Short commercial break. We're going to be back in a moment in the war room. Who can you trust? Government leaders repeatedly fail us. Self-appointed experts have led us astray. Distrust in so-called authorities is spreading like a bad cold. We can't quite shake it. But you are not as powerless as they'd like you to believe. When there's no one to depend on, it's time to rely and depend on yourself. Not sure where to start? Well, try this. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Grab a four-week emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply for just 60 bucks off. Think about that. $60 off right now. My Patriot Supply has helped millions of American families reach self-reliance. I want you to think about that. Reach self-reliance. These food kits offer meals, drinks, and snacks that provide over 2,000 calories every single day. Sealed inside heavy-duty packaging that lasts up to 25 years in storage. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and protect your future with as many kits as you need. These kits ship fast, free, and arrive in unmarked boxes. With MyPatriotSupply, when you order by 3 p.m., your food kits will ship the same day. Save $60 per kit. That is $60 per kit at MyPatriotSupply.com. Take action. Use your agency. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, we had a slight technical problem, I think, over at Getter and Rumble. I think we are uh, have that fixed. By the way, if that happens, make sure you get to Grace and Mo. Or if you got a direct thing to REV or a producer, make sure you give us a heads up and we will get right on. I think it was a slight glitch. I think we've worked it out on President's Day. Um, of course, we're here at work, obviously. President's Day, incredibly important. As I've said, and I have a deep-seated belief on this, only the third time in American history you had General Washington, you've had uh, Abraham Lincoln, and you've had now Donald Trump. Only three times in the history of this country has the fate of one individual been inextricably linked to the fate and destiny of this republic. And that's pretty obvious. Even as much resistance as President Reagan got, and he got as much resistance inside the White House with the Bush forces led by Jim Baker, right? Totally corrupt. Oh, these guys, he's a man of Washington, and these are all big business guys, and they're lawyers for big business. Yeah, they're lawyers just like the just like the Dulles brothers over at Sullivan and Cromwell did such a great job uh, pre-World War II with the German industry. That whole deal hasn't even been explained. How kids from Kansas, I want you to think about this, watch 12 o'clock hour, you can see Masters of the Air now, how kids from Kansas and Kentucky and Virginia and Illinois and New York City, Los Angeles, how these guys in the 8th Air Force because the Brits wouldn't do precision daylight bombing because the casualties were too high. I'm not picking on the Brits. The Brits are also very resistant 
to uh, D-Day and delayed it forever and ever. Why? They'd taken such mass casualties in World War I. World War I left such a deep scar on the French people and the German people, excuse me, the French people and the British, obviously the Germans too, but left such a deep scar. They wanted to stay away from what's called the first day at the Somme, where they lost, I don't know what it was, 40,000. It was some unbelievable in the, in the Chernobyl house of that one day that the British couldn't take it anymore. But you've got all that. And you're, you're, the whole point is to bomb German industry and then later to bomb Japanese industry back into the Stone Age, right? To destroy the industrial base of, of uh, German, the German war machine, and Imperial Japan, its war machine. So isn't it interesting that, and this is just the way it is, that the same folks basically that run the industrial power, the, the seven samurai families that run the trading companies that ran the industrial part of Japan, pre-war, that really were the guys that really drove uh, really drove the war in Imperial Japan, the you know, the Asian co prosperity sphere. The same guys that provided all the material and drove the political system, really controlled the political system and controlled really the emperor. Those same seven samurai families are the trading companies that controlled Japan today. No change was done pre war, post war, same guys, same families, same industrial power, same in Germany. You ever ask that question? Hey, why did kids in Kansas, why did we have D-Day? Why did, uh, why did folks um, die in all this horror and tragedy? And, uh, and, just, and, and why did all this happen? Why did all this happen in the same deal before and after? Because it was the same deal for, before and after. Oh, yeah, by the way, in the, in the Dulles Brothers and the Sullivan and Cromwell firms and all the law firms and all the banks, everybody lent to them. Same, same. Same, same. Same, same. You got to get down. He started breaking apart the administrative state. That's what I said on CPAC in 17. We're coming up on, what is this, the seventh year of that? Seven years ago. Maybe we can play that clip later in the show. I said the three things of President Trump was one, a new national security effort led by making sure NATO was not a protectorate, but was a, a real alliance and focusing on taking down or, or confronting the Chinese Communist Party. And of all places, Wow. The South China Sea. Pretty pressing it there, young man. Number two, I said a national uh, economic nationalism. Going to bring jobs back to the United States and restrict immigration to make sure, as Andrea Mitchell just said back there, well, they need migrants because they need the jobs. We need migrants because we need the jobs. That's the mantra of the ruling class. We need, we need the invasion of 10, of 10 million. Because the working class, uh, Hispanics and blacks and the whites, they're not working hard enough. They're not good enough. We need an infusion of energy here. So that was number two, I said. And number three, the focus with President Trump is the deconstruction of the administrative state. And all the media had a thousand media back there. They're all watching. Reince and I are up there with Matt Schlapp. And all these guys sitting there. What, is, what did Bannon just say? Administrative what? What? Who? What? What? All the folks at CPAC. All MAGA. As I say in those red ball caps and bib overalls, they're up high-fiving. You don't have to tell them. They get it. They're ahead of the elites in this country. Not just plenty smart, real smart. Just give them the information, real smart. I'll take, if you gave me a choice between a combination of the partners of Sullivan and Cromwell, McKinsey and Goldman Sachs, mix it all up in a bowl, give me 100. 
versus the first hundred people that walk in to CPAC in a red ball cap? I'll take the red ball caps. I'll take the red ball caps because that will uh, that will make sure that that will make sure that we have a country that's got common sense, decency, and humanity. To tell you how far it's gone, Michael Benz, Mike Benz joins us. Mike was an official in the first Trump term. He and Darren Beatty did some amazing, amazing work afterwards. He continues on. Benz, I got to tell you, the interview that Tucker Carlson did with you was, and I thought the interview you did with Putin was pretty daggone good, particularly getting some economic stuff and some other stuff. I liked it a lot. I really liked it, particularly the history and all that. And I realized they're all over Tucker. But the interview he did with you, I believe, is the best interview Tucker's done since he's gone out in the new platform, sir. Now, why would Benz tell me, why would Steve Bannon say that? <laughs> um, I can only guess. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to actually hear what parts of it uh, you, know, you thought were, were most effective. Uh, you know, it was really, really kind of amazing, I think, the, the colloquy we were able to have to kind of paint the broad picture of, of the shape of the beast we're up against. You know, from my perspective, these are all things that I've said hundreds, thousands of times over, over almost seven, eight years now. And, uh, but to be able to have it all in one shot uh, I think was very effective so yep. that you're not sort of getting it all chapter by chapter. Just, just, just give me, give me your, let's walk through, cause we'll take some time here today. We're going to have some people tucking in and out, but just give us your theory. We got about six minutes, seven minutes in this block. Give me your theory of the case. You just take it and run with it. what is Mike Benz's theory of the case of what has happened to our beloved country? Well, there is basically an immune system of permanent Washington, which is comprised of the you know, at the top, you have the foreign policy establishment, the national security state, the corporate and financial donors and drafters off of it, and the political opportunists on both sides of the political aisle. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the way that I essentially see that the framing of this issue uh, is the, the managers of the American empire versus the citizens of the American homeland. We, we've had for, you know, a, since we became an empire, you could argue in 1898 when we won the Spanish-American War and took the Philippines and became this overseas empire with territory to protect. And uh, you could argue even going back to 1823, you know, with the Monroe Doctrine and, and uh, our, our forays into, into Latin and South America, that, that American industry was, was always sort of an international enterprise. And, and you do need a full-throated, red-blooded, brass-knuckled foreign policy establishment to be able to protect U.S. national champions who have businesses abroad. The issue is, is uh, even though that was effectively magical for America to develop its, its middle class during the 20th century, uh, by the 1990s, globalism started to break down as our manufacturing miracle was reduced to a rust belt, as the chamber of commerce companies that benefited so much from globalism under the protection of the Pentagon, the State Department, the CIA, and other intelligence agencies, as there began to be a split between the welfare of our globalist institutions and the uh, and the citizens of the nation that they were supposed to be trickling wealth down to and and serving at the at the electoral level, uh, there became essentially the growth of populist opposition, which is you know populism is not a dirty word. Populism is the recourse to corrupt or to, institution, to institutions that have uh, gone astray. 
And the issue, as I see it, is not Republican versus Democrat or conservative versus liberal. Those are things that, that can turn with, with the tides. What we have right now is a foreign policy establishment, which is imbued with a department of dirty tricks, things that they are that we've, we've allowed them for a century to do abroad to foreign governments and foreign citizens and, and foreign institutions. Apologies. Um, uh, turning that inward. And so you have the foreign policy establishment against populism, both here and all across NATO, uh, in, in the UK with the Brexit folks, and in Italy with the Matteo Salvini folks, and Spain with the Vox Party, and Greece and Germany with the AFD party. Uh, this is, you know, all across the board, there's been a rise of, of populist groups, also on the left, I should add. Uh, and in each case where they are threatened by the foreign policy establishment, the democracy has now been effectively completely destroyed because you have an immune system such as a, a justice department that will be weaponized to arrest any populist leader who rises to power or a lawfare system that will bankrupt them, uh, police who won't protect their, their meetings. You have uh, the silencing all across social media, gag orders placed as they're being uh, put on trial so that they can't even defend themselves, uh, their lawyers being arrested. Uh, you know, Steve, you being targeted, it's it's one of these things where there was always um, the, the relationship between the, the managers of the American empire and the citizens of the American homeland is broken down. And that has played itself out in the story of the censorship industry, which I really see as my mission uh, for the story to tell. Now, the censorship industry, you're saying, is actually an offshoot of, it's a combination of the administrative state, the actual functions of national security and intelligence and law enforcement in the American administrative state, and big tech outside, correct? It's a combination. It's a private, it's a public-private partnership. <laughs> it's a great way to put it, yes. You know, now, the term that they use is whole of society. There's a whole of society counter mis and malinformation network that they, uh, now this is, this is their terminology, and what it, what it means is it, takes four separate classes of institutions, federal government agencies, private sector companies, civil society institutions, and media and fact-checking groups, and has them all working as a synchronized network to be able to censor emerging narratives or political groups who, who essentially pose a political challenge for the foreign policy establishment. And those those private sector institutions, I mean, if, I, mean I can go on at that length, but I'll look like you were going to... Yeah, no, hang on for one second because I want to. I want to take it. We're going to take a break here and come back. I want to break it down. I want to talk about CPAC. Uh, we want a uh, a big turnout at CPAC, so we still got the uh, tickets under a hundred bucks. CPAC dot org slash warroom. You get a ninety five dollar ticket. When you get that ticket, you can then go to warroom dot org events. Go to our website and sign up for uh, the Force Multiplier Academy. We're going to have a, a huge range of folks you see here as contributors. You get to meet them in the flesh. They're also going to talk to you about how to make CPAC the best you've ever gone to, but more importantly, how coming out of this, we're united like a fist. So the, for the for the final drive uh, between now and Election Day, we are fighting as one unit. Uh, it's quite important. So you're going to have many of the contributors that you've seen, plus Grace, Mo, uh, you know, Natalie, Jane, everybody's going to be there. And you get a free lunch. How about that? Say no such thing as a free lunch. That's not true <laughs> when you come to the Force Multiplier. So go to cpac.org slash war room. Get your $95 ticket for all four days. And then uh, go to warroom.org to events. Make sure you sign up for it. 
uh, Grace and Mo will check you out, and then um, and then uh, we'll go. It's going to be fantastic. I will be there, maybe even as the master of ceremonies. How's that? How about that? Short commercial break. Back with Mike Benz in just a moment. Tax Network USA is pure war room for solving your IRS tax problems. If you owe back taxes, COVID was your lucky break. Tax court shut down, the IRS paused, and you skated. Well, baby, that party is over. The IRS is adding 20,000 enforcement agents, basically tax cops. Honest, hardworking Americans like you are in the crosshairs. Rich people have tax lawyers, and you don't. You'll pay up, plus interest and penalties. TaxUSA Network has brilliant war room-type strategies designed to solve your IRS problem quickly in your favor. Never call the IRS yourself. You're at their mercy. You could sit on hold for six to eight hours and get hung up on, grind you for all your back taxes, plus interest and penalties. Tax Network USA attorneys have a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to talk to and who to avoid. If they get difficult agent, hey, they just call a different agent. Tax Network USA learned of a limited time special IRS offer. The IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Schedule your free confidential consultation with Tax Network USA. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts. Think about that. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts. They offer a best-in-class client satisfaction guarantee. Now call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. And visit Tax Network USA. That's TNUSA.com slash Bannon. TNUSA.com slash Bannon. Make sure you take action on this today. This IRS grind is only going to get much worse. You created a bit of a firestorm in Washington this week when you sounded the alarm about the national security threat related to a Russian anti-satellite weapon. The New York Times is now reporting that the concern is whether Russia might put a real nuclear weapon in space. Based on the intelligence you have seen, how serious is the threat? Well, the, the threat is very serious. Everyone who's looked at it uses the same language that, that I have, that it is a very serious threat. And I, I'm, very, I'm very glad that the administration is beginning to take action. Uh, we met with Jake Sullivan. Okay. This, this, guy, this guy is a total, complete liar. Okay, he did this. This is all about his buddies in Ukraine. He had just been over there seeing Zelensky rubbing up on, you know, rubbing up on Zelensky. Uh, this was all to try to scare this audience and say, oh, gosh, you know, maybe we should give the 60 billion to Ukraine. Ben, you see this all the time. This is a perfect example using a useful idiot like uh, Turner to put out what the deep state wants to put out, because the deep state's got so many dark secrets in Ukraine that they got to keep the grift going. Our people, if they don't get the money, they're going to start spilling the beans, bro. So walk me through the Turner incident of last week is a classic example of what you've warned us about. Yeah, well, this is really the GOP civil war between the, the the populist and the globalist side of the GOP playing out in real time. You know, this is uh, this is why we were I was sort of teeing this up in the last segment on 
This is not Republican versus Democrat or conservative versus liberal. It's foreign policy establishment versus populism. You see, there's uh, the, the, the U.S., the, the GOP for a century now has essentially drawn its political strength and its representation in Washington as being essentially uh, sponsored by military energy and chamber of commerce backers. That is, the, the military industrial complex was primarily a Republican institution uh, in, the, in, in the 20th century. Uh, you know, with the, our, our, our essentially our production facilities in California and, uh, and, and Texas, and, and you had the energy, the oil and gas uh, companies, which were the largest companies in the world for, for the 20th century and, and until big tech essentially matured uh, in the 2010s, all of the major uh, you know, top 10 market uh, size corporations were oil and gas companies. And you had the sort of chamber of commerce uh, blue chips that primarily supported Republicans because Republicans were for low taxes, they were for free markets and free enterprise, uh, and they exported those values abroad, which meant that there was a powerful Pentagon, State Department, and intelligence apparatus to be able to ensure territorial control over resources uh, in countries who were exercising resource nationalism that might box out uh, our big oil and gas companies, or our or private companies selling goods, goods and services to foreign markets, and that was something where there was, I think, there was some synchronicity between the uh, the globalist and the and the nationalist side of the GOP during the 20th century. Again, until globalism really started to uh, to erode that uh, that synchronicity, and, and what you have now is. The, the major party establishment in Congress for the GOP is still on the on the globalist side, but you have this growing faction and by far the most popular faction at the base level uh, that is for populism. So again, you have this divide where you know you, you have you have Turner representing essentially the managers of the American homeland, and you have the populist side of the GOP representing the people who live here. The uh, I'm sorry the Turner representing the empire, essentially, and the populace representing the homeland. Yes. And you have this divide where now there's there's so much money that goes to the managers of the empire, and none of it comes back home to us. You know, we have, what, $20 trillion in debt, and uh, our, our PISA scores are falling way behind even second world countries. Uh, El Salvador has a better murder rate than, than any of our major cities. Uh, it's... You know, we're, we're falling apart, and the people, and, and what remaining wealth that we have is being used to go straight into the coffers of peoples whose whose interests are all international, not actually for the people who live here. And so, you know, the issue is, is Washington is controlled by the empire forces, not by the forces of the homeland. And, you know, Trump's election in 2016 was really the, the first time that the foreign policy establishment had its uh, had its, its back broken at the electoral level by by a populist surge. I think they would have done this to Bernie Sanders too, because he also wanted to roll back um, it, before he, I would say, bent the yeah, knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He bent. He, he's all. T- it's a. It's a. It's a pillow fight with him. He took on the Clinton apparatus. Clintons were the epitome of this. The empire managers, right? Both Democrat, the Bushes and the Clintons. Those two apparatuses that have been involved in every election. I don't know for forty years. Is that Bernie Sanders? If you're gonna go, if you're gonna go for the king. 
you got to go for a head wound. And he, he just a pillow fight. He's a He's a, he's a lot, he just yammers on, yammers on, yammers on, right? And the Bernie Bernie's not going to do anything. If Bernie Sanders is going to take on the deep state, you think Bernie Sanders is going to take on the administrative state? You need a beast. That's what Trump was. Trump went to beast mode, okay? And, the, and as you know, Mike, you were there. Uh, and, that, and, and this is why they had what I call the nullification project started immediately. This whole nonsense with the Russian collusion. Now we know, what, 26 of us, 26 of us were were not just targeted by Brennan, but Brennan then farmed it out to the Five Eyes, uh, to his Five Eye buddies to make sure that uh, Trump's inner circle was completely monitored. Mike, just hang her for one second. I want to keep around. This is quite uh, profound. The, the interview with Tucker was uh, landmark. If anybody's got the time, you definitely should watch it. It's incredible. We've got Mike Benz here, one of the officials from Trump's first term, and by God, it's got to be a senior uh, guy in the second term. So we're going to take a short commercial break. We're make, make sure, look, when we talk about the post-war international rules-based order, it's not just the national security state, but it's underpinned, as Putin was so nice to point out, by the U.S. dollar. This is why you got to go to birchgold.com right now. End of the dollar empire. You hear about it in the media all day long. We've been giving you this free information uh, for now, what, going on three years, I think it is. It's all free. We're coming out with the fourth or the fifth installment, already four installments out. We've redone the third, the debt trap, to get updated numbers because the situation looks so dire, looks so absolutely dire. Uh, end of the dollar empire from Birch Gold. But also you can talk to Philip Patrick and the team. He was on Saturday. He welcomed you guys to make sure you go to birchgold.com. So I spent in and talk to Philip Patrick and the team and ask him, the simple question, at times of turbulence for the last 5,000 years of man's recorded history, gold has been a hedge against turbulence. Philip, Birch Gold, tell me how that is. Wait for their answer. Then have a put on a hot pot of Warpath coffee, warpath.coffee slash war room. Make sure you get the kids out of the way. Take a, take a pot of coffee and think. You're free men and free women. Think. Does that all make sense? Short commercial break. Mike Benz on the other side. 90-second break. Back in a moment. True or false? Using your tax refund to pay off credit card debt is a smart thing. Actually, that's false. Donewithdebt.com published a brilliant strategy designed to let you keep your hard-earned tax refund and reduce or eliminate credit card debt. Most Americans owe thousands in credit card debt. In fact, Daily Mail's got a story that 56 million Americans carry credit card debt. And that debt will take years to pay off, if you pay it off at all. Done with Debt found that filing bankruptcy is usually not the answer. And taking out loans to pay off credit cards usually increases the debt. When you engage Done with Debt, their legal experts and skilled negotiators take on the credit card companies for you. Their winning strategies are designed with one gold. Solve your debt situation quickly and permanently. First things first, chat with a done-with-debt strategist and explore your solutions. Some debt-fighting strategies are time-sensitive, so you'll need to move quickly. For a free consultation, visit donewithdebt.com. That's donewithdebt.com. Do it today. Take action. Dot com, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM Health, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. 
You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.